Welcome to the weekly message from Albert Park Baptist Church, a community of believers seeking to love God, love one another and love our neighbourhood right in the heart of Melbourne. We hope you find today's message inspiring. So we all lived through COVID-19 last year, whether you're from Victoria or not, uh, we know of our situation last year and it's still ravishing most of the known world Um, and so my question is this this morning well how did it expand how did COVID spread and there's really two ways that it spread the first is through people that's a personal thing that happened and that it spread because it's powerful or because it's very infectious that's through people and because it's very infectious and I want you to hold on to those two thoughts because as we're going to read today as we think of what is God's plan of expansion uh, that God chose to spread the message through personal means and through power-filled means and so I'm just going to read it and then we'll discuss it. This is uh, Luke 24, I'll read from verse 36 onwards. While they were still talking about this, and that's the disciples, they'd heard some news that Jesus was alive, and so they're having a conversation. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost, and he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And this is where we start today. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them this is what is written. And this is a summary statement, if you like. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so think about what I just said before, that God's plan of expansion is through people, specifically first-hand witnesses, and through a power. Now you may recall back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke uh, and he said these words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. I have come to bring them to fulfillment. For truly I tell you, Jesus says, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Again, so we're talking about fulfillment and accomplishment. And that's what Jesus is saying in our passage today, that he has come to fulfill everything written about him in the law and in the prophets and in the psalms and then we read that jesus opens their minds so they can understand the scriptures now you may think well surely they understand by now what it's all about but evidently they didn't and evidently they needed jesus to explain it to them and i think that's important for us to note 
Because for most of us, we need it explained to us as well, myself included. That we can't just sit in second-hand knowledge of the Bible, that I read a devotional book this morning and whatever he or she said that was writing it must be true. No, oftentimes we need the Word of God explained to us. And so what's implied here is that the disciples didn't really understand the Scriptures, or at least they didn't understand them correctly. And this had been evident through the whole of Jesus' ministry to this point. And a recent example was a few weeks ago, we talked about two guys on a road to Emmaus. They were kind of arguing with each other about who Jesus really was. And they said this, did not the Messiah, I'm sorry, Jesus said this to them, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? The implication is they didn't think so. They didn't think the Messiah had to suffer. They didn't get it. So it's possible to think that we understand and yet we don't. And what we see in this example and here in verse 45 is that in order to understand the Bible, in order to understand the Scriptures and everything that's going on, we need Jesus to help us interpret them. Because the Scriptures are less an academic document. You can go to a Bible college anywhere in the world right now and you can study it as an academic document in the ancient, in the ancient texts. You can look up lexicons and all the other great boring things that me and Kat do at Bible college. But it's not just an academic document. That the Bible is not an academic document to be studied. It's an invitation to a relationship with the person that it's about. It's not like reading Plato or reading Aristotle or reading all of these other famous writers. The Bible is ultimately about a relationship, a God and a people. And it's an invitation to enter into that. And so it's not a document to be studied and learn all the answers necessarily, but it's a relationship to enter and become more known and to know a God more. And so that's what Jesus is inviting us to. He's opening their minds so they can understand the Scriptures. They can understand how God has fulfilled things, how God has worked in a relationship to bring them back to Him. And we can see that they don't really get the picture. They don't really understand because we see this, how foolish you are, Jesus said, I just read it before, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Or verse 38, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? They need Jesus to help explain the Scriptures because they just don't get it. They just don't believe in the impossible. So Jesus here is trying to help them understand the message. So that when he sends them out, that they're not sending some message that's a bit whacked or off topic or off message or off point. He's trying to make it really clear to them, here is the message, here is what I've come to do, here is what I'm sending you to go and share. And so the message is this, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus summarizes the entire Old Testament to one sentence. The Messiah, God's chosen one, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That is the very summarized version of the Christian gospel. And Jesus wants his disciples, ahead of them going out to go and share this news, 
to get on the same page with him, to understand that he needed to die, to understand that he foreshadowed or, or told in advance the fact that he would rise again. He needs people to understand that. He needs people to get it. And he also needs people to get this last point that I think a lot of us miss, and it's this, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. The repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. Now, we sit in church and we think if you believe, then you're saved. And I'm not going to refute that argument. But the way that you know that you're saved is that your life begins to change over time. The life change is evidence of a heart change. And we see this all throughout the New Testament. In Luke 3, it's talking about John the Baptist. He goes into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Start of Acts, Peter speaking to the crowd who think he's drunk. He says this, repent again and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Again, Acts 3, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Acts 5, God exalted him, Jesus, to his own right hand as Prince and Saviour that he, Jesus, might bring Israel, the whole nation, to repentance and forgive their sins. We're invited as a people to repent. And I'm going to explain what that big Christianese word means in a second. And as a result of that change of life, it's evidence that we're forgiven. So repentance in an Old Testament sense, is the word shuv. Well, I'm probably pronouncing the Hebrew wrong. But essentially the basis of that is you're going one way and you start and turn and go the other way. That's the Old Testament understanding of repentance. You're going away from God to idols or whatever it is and then repentance is literally turning and starting to walk that way. It's a different way of living. The New Testament's the same. It talks about a realignment of our lives. And the way I think about it is with a car. If your car wheels are not aligned... You think you're driving straight with the steering wheel, but you're actually driving one way or the other. And no matter how much you try and correct the thing, unless the wheel alignment is corrected, you're always going to go a bit wonky either way. Repentance is the idea of a wheel realignment. That we're not kind of forcing our way left constantly or right, but that there's a sense that the, the nature of who we are is changed. That's pointing in a different direction. I want to share with you a few uh, definitions of repentance so you might get it more. To repent is to change direction from allegiance to something other than God to serving the living and true God. And other persons write this, it's not enough simply to believe in Jesus and accept the offer of grace. There must be real alteration of the inner person. Another person wrote, repentance is not focused simply on specific sins Rather, it is the revulsion of the whole person towards its allegiance with sin and death. So it's not just saying, I have an issue with lying, I hate lying. It's saying, I have an issue with the fact that I am a kind of person who lies because of my brokenness. Repentance bears the fruit 
of real change. Another person, repentance is not a one-time act, it's an ongoing cycle that defines the Christian life. And if I can put a plug for small groups, repentance is something that happens not just on an individual level, it happens in groups, where people can call us out on some of the stuff that we're not living. Biblical repentance, another person writes, involves a fundamental renunciation of the world and the flesh and the devil, including anything, whether it's the spirituality, experiences, or moral efforts in which we've trusted. One final one. The whole self must be turned away both from self-trust and from the autonomy that demands a final say as to what one will believe, whom one will trust, and how one will live. You may have got it already, but this is a change. It's a change. God loves us enough to send His Son to die for us, but He loves us too much to leave us in our brokenness and sin. And that's the message that Jesus shares with His disciples again. He's saying, God's chosen one, the Messiah, that's me. I died, and I rose again, and I did it Not simply that you might believe in something, which is fantastic, but that that belief might be shown through the way that you live so that all of a sudden these 11 blokes can change the entire world. It's not because they said, you know what, Jesus rose from the dead, that everything changed. It's because their lives changed. And as a result of their lives changing, people saw that life changes a possibility and they began to trust and it just expanded like COVID. The second part of this is from verse 48 onwards. It talks about them being witnesses of all these things. And then Jesus says at the end, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. That they didn't go in their strength. They didn't go just in their wisdom or their knowledge or their understanding of the world and all that God had said to them. They went with a power. And Jesus says, you need to wait until the Holy Spirit is with you. You need to wait until that moment where the power of God is not just around you, but is resting on you and lives in you. And as post-resurrection, post-ascension people, those who trust in Jesus, we recognize that the Holy Spirit lives within us. That he goes with us wherever we are, to work, to uni, to, to family stuff, to the beach. He's always with us. But Jesus says to them, wait until my, I send you what my Father has promised. Power from on high. Power from on high. What's not surprising to me is as you read Acts, which is the, the next installment of Luke after this. Most people call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it could very easily be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because as Peter and John heal a man outside the temple, and as the church begins to work out, well, how do we form ourselves? And as eunuchs get met on the road by people who can speak into their lives, it's the Holy Spirit at work to ordinary people. And I love uh, Acts 4.3, Peter and John had just healed a man. And all the religious leaders, they couldn't explain it, and yet they just wanted to squash the name of Jesus. And so they forbid them from talking about Jesus. And then they commented this way, 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, this is the religious leaders, and perceived that they were uneducated, common people, they were astonished. They thought, you know, this is the men's work. This is people. But then they added, and then they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's not just ordinary people just going into our workplaces, in our families, into our unis, into our neighborhoods, that it's ordinary people who had been with Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit in them, who have a personal witness of life change. COVID spread through personal one-on-one contact, continues to spread through personal one-on-one contact, and is spreading rapidly across the world because it is highly infectious. The message of Jesus began with one person named Jesus, who then spread it to 11 people, who then spread it all over the world. And it wasn't simply because people said the right things. It was because they went with a power from God. And so my encouragement for us this morning is this, that so often people ask me, well, I can't tell my friends or my work colleagues about Jesus. Like, that's too embarrassing. What am I going to have the right words to say? I mean, like, my encouragement to you is that you don't have to worry about having the right words to say. In fact, in Acts, it talks often about people not having the right words at all. It talks about this idea that if you're put in front of the authorities, don't worry about what to say. You don't have to plan it ahead of time. God will give you what to say. And that has been my personal experience. And I close with this. I remember praying when I was working for Woolworths for a young guy whose wife had committed adultery against him uh, with the bakery manager at work. So this guy worked at my work. She was sleeping with the bakery manager. She also worked at our work. Very complicated situation. But I remember in a negative 30-degree freezer at the back of Woolworths, praying for this man. I had no idea what to say. What do you say in that situation, honestly? But I went back to Woolworths two years after that, and I've never been more warmly received by anyone in my entire life. Because he got the fact that I cared, and whatever I said, I don't remember what I said, made a difference to his life. And so that is the thing that we carry with us. We carry a power from God to spread the message through interaction. And so don't shy away from those work conversations. You don't have to plan ahead of time or freak out. It's probably just going to happen. And you're just going to say something. But it's spread through personal interaction and through power-filled first-hand witnesses. We are witnesses if our lives have changed. We're not witnesses if they don't. So that's a challenge to us. Are we leaning into changing some of the behaviors that we have in our lives? And once we are changing, are we getting alongside other people that they might see that and be attracted to what's changing in us? So let's pray. Father, I just pray that something's landed on each of us today. 
you know every single one of us here and you know our work situation, you know our study situation, you know our family situation, you know everything. And Father, so often we want to share about you in all of those different areas, but we don't know how. We don't want to say the wrong thing and look silly. We don't want to be embarrassed. And all of those are real feelings and you acknowledge them and you allow us to be real with you. But you also remind us that you've changed our lives. That through faith in you, things have changed. That we were addicted and now we're not. That we were broken and now we're, we're, we're becoming more complete. We were blind to the things of God and now we can see. Remind us of the hope that we have based on experience. And remind us as well, Lord, that it's not our good deeds that changed us, but it's continuing to trust in you and to lean into the broken parts of who we are and allowing your spirit to change us. Encourage us as we go to work this week. Help us take the opportunities that you give us whether it's a five-second conversation or whether it's more than that. And help us not to be fearful of that, but help us to embrace the fact that if you're willing to come to us and change our lives through people, that you might want to use us to change the lives of someone else for your glory. I pray these things in Jesus' name. If today's message evoked anything in you and you'd like to talk or pray with one of our pastors, please get in touch by phone or email. All of our details can be found at albertpark.org.au. We worship together in person 10am every Sunday at 115 Kerford Road, Albert Park. All are welcome. We look forward to seeing you soon.